0: Take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on and today we want to come back again to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Now if you're not familiar with where the book of Matthew is located in your Bible, uh, what I would encourage you to do is go to the table of contents. There you'll find that the Bible is broken up into two main sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. So find the New Testament, then scroll down down your first book of that New Testament is Matthew. Find that page number, flip over there, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. So then go find Matthew chapter 5. Now as you're turning there, uh, let me tell you a little bit about my one of my sons. I've got a nine-year-old son. I've got two sons, and we have a foster child as well, uh, but my oldest son uh, is a ruthless game player. Uh, he is an amazing player for Uno, Checkers, uh, Monopoly, you name it. He, he loves playing games, um, and he is uh, very good at them. He may seem uh, innocent as this, this little nine-year-old boy, but do not be, be deceived by that innocent looking exterior inside my near nine-year-old son is a ruthless shark of a player. He, he shows no mercy when it comes to playing games with him. Uh, and so in the midst of the stay-at-home orders, I went out and I bought uh, a, ba- a battleship for him. Uh, uh, if you're not familiar, battleship is the game where each player has this, it almost looks like a laptop. You open it up and you place your ships uh, in a grid. And the object of the game is for you to try and guess uh, where your opponent's ships are located shoot them down and bomb them and if you get all five or four or how many ships there are then you win the game so we purchased the game and the day that he got it uh, he and i opened it up we put everything together and we started playing a game and i was winning this game I i was doing good i had sunk everything uh that he had except for his submarine and then um, all he had left of mine to sink was my destroyer. Now, if you know what game pieces I'm talking about, the submarine uh, is four uh, pieces long. So it takes up a little space. It's kind of easy, easier to find. But the destroyer is the tiny little two-piece uh, player that, that's on the board. And he's super difficult to find because he's so small. And so I, in my brilliance, had narrowed it down to, to three locations where my son's submarine could be located. And he, he was just kind of randomly shooting in the dark. And so I had narrowed it down to these three places, and I thought I had the game won. And then, out of luck, I think, out of random luck, my son shot my destroyer. And of course, you know where this is going. He, he ended up sinking my destroyer, winning the game. Uh, he, he talked a lot of trash on me that day and, and, and all of that. I mean, it was, he won the game. And to this day, that child is my sworn enemy. I, I, will, I will defeat him one of these days. But have you ever had someone in your life that you just, you just really didn't like? I'm not talking about my son that way. Please don't misunderstand. All of that was in joking. But in seriousness, have you ever had any anyone in your life, or do you have someone now in your life that you really just don't like? Or maybe you would go so far as to say you have someone in your life that you would consider an enemy. Do you have someone like that? What do you do with that? What do you... What are you supposed to do with that kind of broken relationship? Well, luckily for us, Jesus talks about that in today's passage. So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 38. Verse 38. Now, as you're turning there, uh, let me give you a little background. We are in one of the most famous uh, points of speaking sermons, messages that Jesus gives called the Sermon on the Mount, and we 're in a section of the Sermon on the Mount where he gives a series of statements beginning with You have heard it said and he he'll explain this this either biblical mandate that 's given or this this cultural expectation, and then he'll give. God's godly wisdom that counters that. And so we're still in the midst of that. And so pick up with me in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 38. And it says this, "'You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also.'" And if anyone should sue you and take your tunic or your coat, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And you've heard heard that it is said, "'You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy.'" But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil one and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers... What more are you doing than anyone else? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Interesting passage. Um, and it has a lot of information here that I think we need to unpack. There are some, some ideas that you need to understand what Jesus was Uh, what Jesus' listeners were experiencing in their day and time to kind of get an idea of what Jesus is addressing here. So he addresses several things starting in verse 38 and 39. Uh, on uh, instances where if someone does something to you, you do this in return. And so the first one is, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, well, uh, in that day and time, one of the ultimate insults was to backhand somebody on their cheek, to, to slap them this way, was this, this very deep, deep insult. And what Jesus says is, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn your left cheek to them so that they can slap that one as well. Uh, and then he goes on to say someone takes your tunic. Now, uh, a tunic was uh, kind of a coat-like undergarment that that uh, you wore underneath your, your primary coat, your cloak, your, your coat. A- and so... It says, if someone takes your tunic, give them their, your cloak as well. Well, back in this day and time, Jewish law stated that a creditor, someone that you owed to or, or that you were in debt to, uh, they could sue and they could take everything except that cloak, that outer coat that right here says, uh, you know, you should give to them. And so, as a matter of fact, in Exodus 22, there's a pretty strong command that tells the Jewish people, uh, if you are to take even that cloak, you must return it before sundown. Um, And so, and then... Uh, Jesus goes on in verse 41 and said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go two miles with them. Well, back in Jesus's day and time, the Roman government uh, is who controlled the nation of Israel at this time. And the Romans had a rule. They had a law that if a Roman soldier was traveling through your town and he stopped you and grabbed you. He could force you by government law, he could force you to carry his pack, all of his equipment and food and everything he's carrying with him. He could force you to carry that for one mile. And then your. Uh, your obligation to help him or serve him was, was done. It, you were free of it. But Jesus says, if someone forces you to go a mile, go two miles. And then he goes on through uh, verses 42 through 48, and he explains that we're supposed to love everyone. And he especially points out that we're supposed to love our enemies, those that we don't like, those that mistreat us, that those that are, are harsh to us or whatever, we're supposed to love our enemies. And he explains that this actually is one of the ways that we are different from the rest of the world in loving our enemies. So here's my big idea for this morning. If you've heard most of my messages, most of the time I give a big idea and that big idea is a a summary or or a, a, a pulling together into one sentence the main idea of the message. And today's big idea is this. Love your enemies because Jesus loved you when you were his enemy. Let me say that again. Love your enemies because Jesus loved you when you were his enemy you see jesus is the ultimate example of love uh, if you want to understand what love looks like just look at jesus between what he did for us on the cross and how he treated everyone around him how he asked for forgiveness uh, from those uh, for those who were uh, hanging him on the cross jesus is the ultimate example of love. You know, he died for us while we were still enemies, while we were still his enemies. And you may be saying, Pastor Chad, where do you get that idea? Here's where that big idea comes from. Romans 5, verses six through 11. Romans 5, six through 11. And it says this, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, God died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Isn't that an amazing passage? We were weak. We were sinners. We were enemies of Jesus. And in that time, in our weakness, as a sinner, as an enemy, that's when Jesus died for us. That's when Jesus gave his life so that we could be rescued from our sins, from our state of being an enemy to God. You see, the, f- the fact of the matter is, is that before you became a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, before you became that way, you were God's enemy. Your relationship with God was completely broken. It was, it was torn apart because of the sin that, that you committed. And so as an enemy, you were against God. And then Jesus comes onto the scene. Jesus came. He lived a perfect, sinless life because he was and is the Son of God. And through that, through his perfection and through his death on a cross, through that blood, His blood fixed our broken relationship with God. He reconciled. He put our relationship with God back together. He made it healthy again. You were once an enemy, and now you are a child of God. That is the love of Jesus. And let me take a sidetrack here for just a moment. If you're watching right now and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've never begun this life-changing relationship. What God asks you to do is this. Believe what I just talked about, that Jesus was and is the Son of God, lived a perfect, sinless life, died on a cross to save you, to rescue you from the consequences of your sins. And then on the third day, that man that died on the cross, he rose from the grave and he later ascended into heaven. And right now, Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father. He is up in heaven. He is alive in victory over sin and death. And what the Bible asks us to do to become followers of Jesus is simply this. We have to believe in our heart, in our mind, with all of our being, believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that Jesus did what he did, what the Bible tells us that he did, and then follow him, make him master and Lord of your life. Submit your life to him. Lay it down and say, Jesus, this is yours and become a follower of Jesus. Uh, If you're ready to do that right now, send us a direct message. Send us an email. Do whatever you're comfortable with. We want to have that conversation with you about what it looks like to have a life-changing relationship with Jesus, to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And so if you've got questions or you want to take that next step in your journey with Jesus, please reach out to us right now. Don't stop. Don't hesitate. uh, don't, Don't wait. Just go ahead right now. Send us a direct message. Send us an email, whatever it takes, whatever you've got access to. Send us that message and let us answer those questions and lead you into that next step in your relationship with Jesus. You see, Jesus loves us so much. Even though we were weak and we were enemies of His because of our sin, He loves each and every one of us so much that He was willing to die for us. He died for you. He died for you out of His love for you, even though you were an enemy and you were resisting Him. So who does this love extend to? If we're going back to Matthew chapter 5, this passage that we've read, who does this love that we're talking about, who does it extend to? In other words, who are we supposed to be loving? Well, it talks about uh, those who insult you or make fun of you or, or whatever. When it talks about uh, if someone slaps you on the cheek, offer your left one as well. Those who disagree with us, though who, those um, whom we disagree with, those who have insulted you or, or emotionally hurt you, you're still supposed to return love to them. Uh, Who else? Those who have hurt you physically, emotionally, legally, etc. You know, that's what it's talking about when if someone takes your tunic, offer them your cloak as well. If there's someone that has hurt you, you're supposed to extend the same love that Jesus extended to you. Um, The government And officers of the government, elected officials, politicians, we're supposed to be loving them as well. That's why Jesus says, if someone forces you to walk a mile, walk with them two miles, give them another mile. You know, if the government forces you to do something, we still love those who are in the government, those politicians. And I know, guys, I understand it. it. This is hard to receive, but this all goes back to what Jesus did for you and I. The fact of the matter is, is think of that person that you just can't stand, that person who has insulted you or physically or financially hurt you or that that politician, whoever it may be, that you just, you can't stand. That's who you were in opposition to Jesus before you began following him. You were an enemy to Jesus. I was an enemy to Jesus. And what did Jesus do out of his love for you and I when we were his enemies? He loved us so much that he died for us. If Jesus was willing to die for you and I when we were his enemies, then we should follow that example That's what we're called to do. Love your enemies because Jesus loved you when you were his enemy. That's the big idea. You see, biblical love gives good even if it receives bad. If people hate us, then we do good for them. If people curse us, we bless them. If people persecute us, we pray for them. If people abuse us, we love them. People say things that we don't like or we disagree with them. We extend the love of Jesus into their lives. You see, Jesus says... Uh, in the rest of the, the last half of the passage that we've read this morning, if we only show love for those we like or those who are like us. In other words, uh, they're the same skin color as us, or they're, they're in the same social circle, or they're from the same economic status or the same political views. If we love the people who we like or who are like us, we're no better than Gentiles or tax collectors or any other sinner who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We're no better than those who don't follow the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus does here for us. He challenges us to something that for many of us may seem impossible. It may seem as if Jesus is asking us to do something that we are incapable of doing. He's saying, this is the love that I've shown you, so love others. Whether you like them or not, whether you know them personally or not, it doesn't matter. I gave you that love. You give it back to others. And you may be right there right now saying, Jesus, I can't do that. Jesus, I don't have the capability to do that. And you know something? You're right. You and I In our broken, sinful nature, we don't have the capability within ourselves to love the way Jesus is calling us to love here. We are simply not good enough to do this. It is only through the Holy Spirit in salvation, in the rescue of Jesus out of the love of God, it's only through that that we have the ability to love the way Jesus is calling to love in this passage. We can't do it on our own. We're not good enough. We're not loving enough. We need Jesus and his Holy Spirit and the love of God. We need those things to be capable of loving our enemies. That's what it comes down to. So who have you not been loving? Maybe you need to look at... Uh, the, the conversations that you've been having with people and, and how you speak about certain people when the when those people come up. Maybe you need to take a good look at your your social media posts and comments and you need to look at who you have insulted or hurt or spoken bad about. Who do you need to stop insulting? Who do you need to stop hurting? And who do you need to treat the way Jesus treats you? Who are those enemies? Who are those people that you don't like that you need to extend the love of Jesus to? Love your enemies because Jesus loved you when you were his enemy. This is hard to hear and it's even harder to live out in our lives. But this is the challenge that Jesus calls us to. When we can love our enemies, when we can love every person the way Jesus loves us, suddenly we are given a new opportunity to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. So pay close attention in the next coming days and weeks and months as to how you talk or treat people, how you speak about people, Um, and pay attention. Who are those people that you find yourself insulting or hurting uh, or or identifying, seeing as enemies? And be intentional to pray for them, to bless them, and to love them in the name of Jesus. Whether you know them personally or not, they are all made in God's image, and God loves them and desires for them to come and know Him as their Lord and their Savior, just like you know Him as your Lord and Savior. And you may have a unique opportunity here to lead that person to that life-changing hope of Jesus because you love them instead of hating them. Who is it in your life that you need to extend the love of Jesus to? Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, thank you. God, we just want to right now thank you for your love, your perfect, unconditional, limitless love. And Lord, we thank you that despite the fact that we're sinners and that we're weak and we were enemies to you, that you loved us so much. Even in that state of existence, you loved us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross to forgive us, to rescue us From our sins and the consequences of our sins. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak uh, to us and help us to understand who it is that we have not been loving toward so that we can change our ways, so that our life can look more like you, so that we can show others the love of Jesus that we have personally experienced. Help us to do that today. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.